Welcome to the Bible Vault, where we unpack the jewels of God's Word. I'm Jason. And I'm Katrina. And today we're continuing our series on who is Jesus by talking about the meaning behind the I am statements. So to start off, we're going to read John 8, 48 through 59. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do, not, I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So why did the Israelites want to stone Jesus? Most likely on the grounds of blasphemy, which, according to the rules laid forth for the Jews in Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16, called for the assembly to stone the blasphemer, regardless of whether he was Jew or Gentile. But why would Jesus be considered guilty of blasphemy? By his use of I am at the end of the statement before Abraham was I am. Here and at other times in Jesus' ministry, Jesus used these words to emphasize his oneness with God the Father. The Study Bible is a great insert that gives details on these times in Jesus' ministry and what they mean. And it's a bit of a lengthy insert, so bear with me, but here we go. Throughout the Old Testament, the most frequent name for God is Yahweh, used over 5,000 times. This Hebrew name for God comes from God himself, as Moses records. When Moses asked God by what name he desired to be called, God replied, I am who I am. When Moses began preaching to the Israelites, he explained to them, He is sent me, or literally in Hebrew, Yahweh sent me. The Gospel of St. John builds on this Old Testament event and this personal name for God in order to explain who Jesus is. The Jewish people of Jesus' day knew Moses' story about I am and Moses' preaching in the name of he is. This name for God was so sacred that they would never utter it. In view of this background, imagine the outrage of the Pharisees when Jesus described himself by repeatedly using the phrase I am. The following examples will explain Jesus' statements and help you better understand who Jesus is. Starting with I am the bread of life. John records various times when Christ described himself as, as I am followed with a statement about bread. Christ refers to himself as the bread of life. He is the bread that came down from heaven and the living bread. The Jews were stunned. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Their grumbling leads Christ to add that he is the bread that came down from heaven. In speaking these words, Christ drew a parallel between his life and the manna God provided during the Exodus. Christ taught the Pharisees in the desert, God provided manna. This manna kept your ancestors alive. However, because of original sin, they eventually died. Like the manna God provided, I came from heaven, but I give eternal life. According to John, Christ's teaching on the bread of life was a pivotal point in his ministry. 
Because of Christ's words about eating and drinking his flesh and blood, many disciples no longer walked with him. They found his teachings too difficult. Yes, just as food is necessary for earthly life, Christ is necessary for life eternal. Next up, I am the light of the world. At the beginning of the gospel, John called Christ the light of men. In John chapter 8, we learn where John first heard the term light used in reference to Christ. The term came from Christ himself as he addressed the Pharisees in the temple court near the place where offerings were put. Historically, the Pharisees were aware of the Messianic prophecies about light found in passages such as Isaiah 42 and Daniel chapter 2. Therefore, speaking in these terms that Jews would understand, Christ witnessed that he fulfilled these prophecies. However, Christ does not stop there. He followed his words, I am the light, by quickly adding, of the world. By adding this phrase, Christ testified that he is the fulfillment of God's plan for Jews and Gentiles alike from Isaiah 49. The second mention of Jesus as the light of the world occurs in John chapter 9. This teaching prepares people for the healing of a blind man. Again, it is addressed to the Pharisees. Soon after calling himself the light of the world, Christ offered proof of his power over blindness, fulfilling Isaiah chapters 9, or 29 sorry, and chapter 35. Christ, the light of the world, brought light into the blind man's darkness. Some scholars suggest that the blind man symbolized the Gentile nations which received the light after the Jews rejected it. However, if symbolism is involved, it is most likely that the blind man symbolized all sinners who languish in darkness until the light, Christ, shines in their lives. The brilliance of his glory will open your eyes. Then I am the door. In ancient times, sheep were kept in walled enclosures with only one entrance. Jesus calls himself the door. For only through him will true shepherds, such as pastors and other faithful witnesses, enter to guide the lost sheep. Christ addresses this teaching to the Pharisees. He accuses them of providing false witness. Christ provides the test for who is a true and faithful shepherd. True shepherds do not proclaim themselves, but the Lord. Christ alone provides our security. Followed by, I am the good shepherd. The Pharisees knew the Old Testament passages in which humanity was called God's sheep and God their shepherd, such as Psalm 23. Therefore, in his first I am the good shepherd pronouncement, Christ tells the Pharisees that, unlike a hired hand who watches the sheep and runs at the slightest hint of danger, a good shepherd protects his sheep even to the point of death. In his second I am the good shepherd pronouncement, Christ spoke pointedly. He would die for his sheep. That includes you and me. John mentions that Christ spoke of the sheep that are not of this fold. Those of this fold are the Jews, while those not of this fold are the Gentiles. Christ aimed his words at the traditional Jewish notion that salvation was for Jews alone. Christ also takes aim at our self-righteousness. His words teach each generation of believers to follow the good shepherd instead of contenting themselves with the idea that they walk with the right sheep. And finally, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus' last I am statement closes out the first part of the gospel which describes his travels and ministry. Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, is gravely ill. Mary and Martha, Lazarus's two sisters, send word to Jesus, yet he purposely stays away from Lazarus for two days, during which time Lazarus dies. Jesus tells his disciples that Lazarus has fallen asleep and that he's going to awaken him. As we look at Christ's words today, it seems obvious that, he's not, that he is speaking about raising Lazarus from the dead. However, the disciples do not understand Christ's words as Lazarus is dead, but only as Lazarus is sleeping. At this point, according to John, Christ tells his disciples specifically that Lazarus is not asleep but dead. Jesus arrives at the home of Mary and Martha after Lazarus had been dead four days, his body in decay. Now perhaps you're wondering why John is so precise about recording how long Lazarus was in the tomb and that his corpse was in decay. 
Medical techniques were not as sophisticated then as they are today, and it was possible for someone to have a seizure, be pronounced dead, be laid in a tomb, and then recover. John wants his readers to know Lazarus was indeed dead and decaying. As is the custom today, friends and relatives were coming to Mary and Martha's home to offer their condolences. In ancient times, the mourning period would last an additional three days. As Jesus approaches, Martha goes to meet him. She confesses her belief in Christ's God-given power. She knew Christ could heal the sick. However, she has no idea Christ could raise the dead. Then Christ utters the key words of our text, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What a wonderful testimony Christ offers Martha, as if to say the Father and I are one. Death has no power over the believer. Martha, live by the Holy Spirit that you may know that I bring eternal life. Physical death no longer holds Lazarus captive. I have broken death's hold. Does Martha believe Christ's words, he asks. Her confession gushes forth. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Christ intended that his I am statements would lead others to faith. His prayer offered just before he raised Lazarus demonstrates this. I said this on account of the people standing around that you may believe that they may believe that you sent me from John 11. For Jewish readers, John's gospel emphasizes that Jesus is Yahweh come down among men. For other readers, John emphasizes that the one true God created and sustains the physical universe. For you and all generations, John affirms that there's no other savior. Jesus is our bread, light, door, shepherd, and life. That is an incredible, incredible summary of all of the I am statements. Do you have any other thoughts on anything? I think that just about wraps it up for this. Uh, Next week, we'll continue our series on who is Jesus by talking about Jesus as a mediator, jumping over to the book of Job to do so. If you have any questions, comments, or an experience you'd like to share, please be sure to head over to our Instagram page at the Bible Vault Podcast and shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you and feature your thoughts on our next episodes. And as always, you can also feel free to reach out at any time. Thank you for joining us today on the Bible Vault. God bless, and we'll see you next time.